0: listen to 247 Real Talk. Once again, this is your host, Julian Perry. It's a pleasure to be here with you for another episode of Real Talk. On this episode, I'm going to chat a little bit about some uh, drill rap and some um, opinions, perspectives, and the truth behind the message. So sit back, relax, and I'll be right back. Good evening, one and all. This is, um, I got a little mixed up there because it's nighttime here, but that doesn't say when you'll be listening to it. It's about 10:31 um, on uh, Thursday, September 29th. Um, recording this to go live actually at 1 a.m. tomorrow morning on the audio podcast. And On this coming Monday night on the Mogul TV Network, it's just a pleasure to be here with you. And I wanted to have a quick conversation with you that that was fueled by a video I saw of uh, Trevor Noah talking about drill rap. And I thought that, you know, I would continue his message into my audience because it was so profound and so real and sort of ties into everything else I've been saying about what's going on in our world and what we have been subjected to and, and what we are accepting as, as people and as voters and as people who have the ability, if we unite, to make a difference that cannot be denied. So what I'm talking about is, you know, there was a time when rap music got a, a bad name, right? It still does, I guess. And there's a lot of people out there who just want to say, well, rap music promotes violence, and now we have this new thing, at least new to me, called Drill Rap. I'm not sure how long it's been out, but there have been a lot of um, shootings and some murders of, of, of artists associated with Drill Rap. And so we get the people who point fingers again saying, hey, you know, um, you know, it's the music. And when I was listening to that uh, video i and watching that video, I kind of thought about myself and the truth of the matter is that music is an expression. Um, I think the complaint is that, um, I've got some notes here, but the, the complaint is that the message in the music is spewing violence. And when you really think about it, the, what, what, what rappers, drill rapper or not, what they're expressing in their music is their reality it's you know even if they may talk about someone who was murdered and how they were shot or whatever the fact is that happened in real life and you and you know i'm not saying everything is good because there's good and bad in everything but basically they're expressing their reality from their world much like an r&b singer or a soul singer who had a bad breakup and and, and puts it into music is expressing their experience from their world but the thing about it is it's so easy for people to jump up and blame rap music, you know, and, and, and I'm not a huge, I don't know a lot of rap artists. I'm not. That's not my genre of choice. I'm a little old school. I like contemporary jazz. But the fact of the matter is that the message I'm trying to get across here is that once again we're dealing with finger pointers who live in, in a world that's safe for them because they don't want to face the truth. They don't want to face the fact that people who express these things are trapped in the world that they created. You know, I go back to my conversation about rap, and I go back to my conversation about um, communities that are oppressed, communities that no matter how much they scream, no matter how many organizations form and fight they never get the funding of other communities. They never get the support of, of those politicians that, that we helped elect. Let's, let's, let's be clear about this because I want to get a, a message across uh, more and more about our power. When I say our, I'm talking about not just black people. I'm talking about minorities in general, minority groups, minority people. I'm talking about the people who don't represent the top, what is it, one or two or three or five percent of the wealthy in this country, in this world, that control the rest of us. The ones who want to sit on the pedestal, and they want to point fingers and say how different they are than us because they're rich and they don't have our concerns, our struggles. They don't even know what our world is like, but they created it. As I said before in a previous episode, we did not wake up one morning as minorities and have the ability to buy drugs to sell back in our communities. Someone gave us those drugs. And someone didn't give it to us in in, in any other attempt but the fact to make profit for themselves and not have to dirty their hands at the street level. And they realized that we were so desperate to find a way out and the ways that our society says that we should are also the ways that the society is using to punish us. Let's face it. Don't matter where you come from or what time you've come from. If you go back and look at the old movies of slavery and what some slaves were beaten for, for reading books, it's all about the education, right? And so we, we are taught to learn, to educate ourselves. And the only way we can do that when we have no money is what? We come back to this same conversation every week student loans. And people might think about, oh, he's just, you know, pushing this student loan conversation, but I'm not. You need, I want the, everyone listening to recognize how much of an integral part it is of our lives. Not, not all of us and a lot of us can't be entrepreneurs who come up with an idea that makes it big. Many of us who want to live the simple life of buying a home, having a family, buying a nice car, going on vacation, the simple things that we should be our inherent rights as human beings in a society that has those things available. Our our path towards that is education. And these days, it's not even a bachelor's, it's a master's, right? So what do you do? when you have no choice but to borrow this money. I heard, I heard a politician on the ear, I didn't get his name, or, uh, uh, but I heard a politician said, you know, well, you should not borrow student loans if you don't intend to pay it back. None of us borrows money for student loans with the intention of not paying it back. I don't think that's the, at least not most of us. So we come back to this this problem where we have people expressing their, in their music, their rap or the drill rap or whatever, and we have the same fight that goes on in the rest of the the oppressed communities going on within that sub community. And people want to point fingers and blame. You know, today I heard that um, former governor of New York, Governor Como is, is 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 coming back in the limelight. He's, he's forming a podcast and a political action committee and a gun control group. And it, it angers me not because we can't have the conversation about gun control. I am, I happen to have a different perspective than most would think. But the point I'm making is that these people who are forming these groups, either, and I, I'm finding it hard to believe that they don't understand the problem. So I believe either they don't want to understand the problem, or they're trying to find a new way to exploit the problem for their own gain. Because understand something, while a gun can be used to violence and, 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 you know, critical violence, you need to solve the problem. Have you ever taken someone who, or looked at someone's life, and you've seen that they have everything, from our eyes, right? We've had um, actors and, 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 and celebrities who, for instance, have committed suicide. And when you look at them, you kind of want to say, well, why would they do that? They have everything. Money, fame. So why would they do that? And then you realize that when someone feels depressed and oppressed, it can take even the person that we think has got it all together to an extreme where they feel that life is not worth living. Minorities have been through such a history of of perseverance to just survive that it's not easy for us to, to give up this life that we have. Not in that manner anyway, not by our own hands. Now, you want to take hope away from a person. You have someone who is born into a community of poverty and oppression where the exact government that they take the time to go out and and time off from work and and all these things to go vote for with with hope discards them at the first chance they get. You take hope away from a person for one day, it's hard. For one week, it's harder. For one month, it's harder. For one year, it's harder. For 10 years, it's harder. For decades, imagine what we're living through. This conversation always comes back to this do-it-long thing like I mentioned before, only because in this time that we are right now, as we look for ways to start to change the narrative and to change the outlook and to change our future, you've got to bring hope into these communities you got to do that in many ways. There needs to be security. There needs to be investment in schools. There needs to be, when I say security, teachers have to feel now that they can be safe enough to go into this neighborhood and bring their resources. You have to take so many brilliant minorities and show them how brilliant they are. You have to allow them to educate themselves at the highest level as long as they maintain maintaining the grade and when they're finished, they don't have a burden on their backs of student loans. We elected a government, the current administration, with a promise that he would, that they would do something about student loans. What they've handed us is breadcrumbs. And the fact of the matter is that when minorities unite, if we can get ourselves together in the big enough numbers, we can decide who goes to that poll. When there's, when there's another election, there's a primary, right? If we decide to unite to understand that we want to change our own neighborhoods, then we can make sure that someone... who We can, we can have a big influence on who wins the primary. Maybe we need to use the time in between the elections to find the, the, the leaders within us, with, among us and in our communities. And we need to back that person with enough votes, enough signatures, whatever, to get them on the ballot. And then we need to push them through as the nominee. And then we need to take them all the way to the presidency. And we need to remind them that we put them there, and if they don't do what they're supposed to do, we'll remove them. They can forget about a second term. We have that power. There's somewhere between 43 and 46 million people who will be affected by, by, by the burden of student loans. And the fact of the matter is the majority of those are minorities. For the last month, almost every other day, the Dow, the stock market, the Dow and the Nasdaq have, have, have plummeted. All the politicians are talking about recession and whether or not all we can see is recession. Some are holding on to that mantle of, of, of gas prices are going down. Meanwhile, food prices have tripled. We can do without gas, or we can make gas stretch. We can use other forms of transportation, but we have to eat. The things that affect us more or most are still there, and they're getting worse. Don't have a dream about buying a home now because you can't get a mortgage unless you have cash to pay for a house. At the interest rates now, and the fact that banks are not lending it right now. So, where are we? What happens when January 1st comes? and we're in a position where we can't pay these student loans, what happens? They garnish our checks after we default for a few months, right? They take away the very money that we used to buy, that same food that we can't afford, and pay the rent that we can't afford. This is what they do to us. Meanwhile, while they're saying, I'm looking directly at you in this camera, meanwhile, while they're telling you and us American citizens, that they cannot forgive student loans. They send a trillion more dollars to Ukraine and say, hey, don't bother to pay it back. It's a gift. They'll invest more in them than they'll invest in us, we who are the souls of this nation. If you get as tired as I am of electing leaders who take care of themselves, who forget the fact that the majority that put them there is the majority they're punishing, who go back in their word once we elect them, who don't have who are not brave enough, and I'm calling out every leader who is not brave enough to say enough is enough. I saw a letter that our Attorney General in New York, Letitia James, wrote to the President asking him to forgive student loans. He ignored her. She's a minority. Maybe we need to start holding governors of states responsible for this too, because maybe if states decided it was important enough to help their citizens out, and maybe if states took some of that money that they give to the federal government, and use it to forgive and pay off student loans in their states, maybe we can start a movement across this nation and put the federal government and our president and Washington to shame. I am tired of having this conversation, but I will not stop having that conversation, because it needs to be heard. I'm asking you to join me, to use your pens to write to the congressmen. I know it's something we don't write these days, but there's every one of them saying, does a congressman have an email box? Start expressing your anger. Start letting them know that we are no longer going to be divided by by the by the by the the, the the anger and 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 the oppression. They they pour into the midst of us like oil into water to make sure we separate. We're gonna remove the oil. We're gonna dry it up. We're gonna to join together by any means necessary. We're gonna change our lives. If they don't have a narrative for our lives, that means that we succeed. Then it's time we write our own. I want you to think about that until my next episode when we continue this conversation. Before I end this episode, I want to send my heartfelt uh, thoughts and prayers to people in Florida, uh, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, I think it's coming to Georgia, all the people who are affected by this recent hurricane. I'm sending you my thoughts and prayers and I'm hoping that one day this podcast is powerful enough to actually reach out and do way more for people who are suffering in in even those circumstances. The government you elect won't do it for you. They're going to do something for you today, and they're going to forget you tomorrow. But we who are part of you and part of the, the quilt that makes up this nation will not. It is time that we stand up for each other. It is time that we make a change. It is time when January 1st comes, And those people in Florida, those places who have lost their homes, their family, and members, maybe to COVID and then again in this hurricane, that we don't care that you're American citizens in pain and in need. You're going to pay your student loans or I'm going to take away what's left of your life. It's time that we stop and we let them know. No more. This has been Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other.